0: Good morning friends, welcome to Stony Brook Church, it is so good to be here in worship with you today. It is a joy as always when we are able to gather together, whether it's in this space or online, to worship our Lord together. As uh, I am Pastor Jennifer Casey, I bring you greetings on behalf of our Senior Pastor and Preacher of the Day, Pastor David Hoffman, along with Pastor Bob Thomas, our Pastor Emeritus. As we begin our time together, I'd like to draw your attention to a couple of ministry opportunities uh, happening at Stony Brook Church. As we begin to gear up for a new programming year, I'm excited to let you know that it's time for a couple of things. It's first of all time to sing. And it's time to ring. (laughs) The Chancel Choir and Sanctuary Bells will begin their new season on August 25th. And you all are invited to uh, participate and join these ministries. If you have questions or would like to indicate your interest, you can reach out to Jeff Shellhammer, our Director of Traditional Music, or to Lori Adler, our director of our sanctuary bells. Also, we are going to be adding altar flowers uh, back to our altar uh, space beginning on Sunday, September 12th. If you would like to contribute to this way that we enhance um, enhance our space and worship our Lord, you can find the sign up book out in the gathering space uh, at the Welcome Center desk these $35 arrangements will be color matched to the current liturgical season so you don't need to do any work in picking out the arrangement the staff will take care of that for you as always you can choose to dedicate the arrangement on your week to a loved one who has passed on or in honor of someone who is still living you can find all of these opportunities and announcements and so much more about the mission and ministries at Stony Brook Church in your bulletin or in through the weekly electronic announcements. At this time, I invite us to quiet our hearts and settle our minds as the prelude helps us to prepare for worship. Please rise in body or in spirit as God calls us to worship. You are invited to join me in our call to worship and we'll find your responses in bold. Sing praise to God who rescues us when we fall. Sing praise to God who walks with us on all our journeys. Even though we fall, God lifts us and places us on paths of peace even though we stray god finds us and brings us back to lives of hope thanks be to god whose love is continually with us praise be to god whose mercy is over us all amen as we join our voices together for our opening hymn i'd like to invite all students all teachers that includes our Sunday school teachers and anyone who works in any sort of educational system to come forward following our opening hymn we will be leading you all in a back-to-school blessing
1: Well, good morning, everyone. It's so good to see so many kids and adults and teachers that are so
2: excited to go back to school this week, right? Maybe it's just your parents that are excited for you to go back to school this week, yeah? Uh, Please join us in our back to school blessing and uh, you'll find your responses in the bulletin. As we begin this new school year, we give thanks that God has given us all the ability to learn many things in many ways.
3: We learn in school, also in church, our family, in our community, and the world. Learning is a gift from God. We ask God's blessing on this new school year, that it may be a time when we appreciate and fully engage God's gift of learning.
1: We ask God to bless our schools and teachers.
3: We ask God to bless our classmates and friends. We ask God to bless our administrators and staff.
2: We ask God to bless those who prepare our lunches, those who drive us to school, and those who keep our schools clean and safe.
3: We give thanks to God for books and computers and all the tools that help us learn. Let us pray. Loving God, sometimes a new school year seems exciting or scary or both. Sometimes school is great and sometimes it's hard, but we know that whether we are excited or scared, you are with us. We know whether school is great or hard, you are with us. Thank you for always being with us. Help us remember we are loved no matter what. Help us do our best and help us show others your love in all we say and all we do each day. Amen. And before uh, everyone leaves, we have uh, keychains or zipper pulls for everyone to put on your backpacks or on your keychains on the front. It has the Stony Brook logo and it says, Love God, love others, serve the world. And on the back is our VBS Bible verse from this summer, John 15, 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So as a reminder, as we go forth with God. So make sure you get your keychain or zipper pull before you leave. And then all the kiddos can meet me in the back of the sanctuary. That's third grade and under. Okay? All right.
0: Will you join me in a spirit of prayer do not be afraid how many times have the angels said these words to your people O God how many times do we hear them throughout our lives do you know how fearful we are is this why you remind us over and over and over again that you've got this that you are in control. You simply call us to be faithful and to step out in confidence because you are there. It's easier said than done, God. Do you have any idea of the risks? We could get hurt. We might fail. We might make people angry. We might be uncomfortable. And that's a lot to ask. It takes so much energy to do new things. The unknown, the uncertainty, the lack of direction, just thinking about all of it, induces anxiety. And yet, you ask us to trust, to take a brave step forward, to do the unthinkable at times. We confess we need your help, O God. Give us strength, give us courage, and be merciful with us. Lead us to trust that you are always before and will always be behind us. You are always working for good in our lives and in all of the world. As we grow in our trust of you, continue to open our eyes to the ways we can reflect your goodness in this hurting world. Soften our hearts to the pain of the poor. Open us to the wounds of the hurting. Awaken us so that we may see the injustices all around. Spark in us a desire to work for a more just world, knowing that your Spirit guides our way, your light illumines our path, and our Christ has shown us your heart. We pray all of this in his holy name. As we now join our voices together, praying the prayer he taught us by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come,
4: Yesterday, we celebrated the life of Jean Brown with one of her favorite songs, On Eagle's Wings. Today, we send our students and teachers lifted up on Eagle's Wings into a new year. And in preparation for Pastor David's message today, do not be afraid.
3: And
1: he will raise you all (laughs) swings <laughs>
2: Thank you for your gift of music this morning. As we continue our Leaning into the Future series, we use, uh, we're using the story of Moses as our guide. This morning's scripture lesson comes to us from the 14th chapter of Exodus, verses 19 through 31. I invite us to hear these words. The angel of God who was going before the Israelite army moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and took its place behind them. It came between the army of Egypt and the army of Israel. And so the cloud was there with the darkness, and it lit up the night. One did not come near the other all night." Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued And went into the sea after them, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and chariot drivers. At the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down upon the Egyptian army and threw the Egyptian army into panic. He clogged their chariot wheels so that they turned with difficulty. The Egyptians said, let us flee from the Israelites, for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and chariot drivers. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at dawn the sea returned to its normal depth. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea the waters returned and covered the chariots and the chariot drivers, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. None of, not one of them remained. But the Israelites walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great work that the Lord did against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and his servant Moses. Friends, this is the word of God for all God's children. Thanks be to God. I invite us now to respond together by singing this verse from How Firm a Foundation. us pray. Thou who art over us, thou who art one of us, thou who simply art, give each of us a pure heart that we may see thee, a humble heart that we may hear thee, a heart of love that we may serve thee, and most of all, a heart of faith that we may always abide in thee. This is our hope. This is our prayer this day. Amen. Last week, we explored Moses' reluctance to answer God's call and to lead the Hebrew people into the future. This morning, we will look at the reluctance of the Hebrew people to follow Now, I would expect that all of us have probably heard the story of Moses parting the Red Sea. And thanks to Charleston Heston and Cecil B. DeMille and and the animators at DreamWorks, we probably all have an image in our mind's eye of this miracle and this mystery. However, I'm not so sure that we are as clear about the particulars leading up to this episode. You see, the Hebrew people would never have found themselves in this situation if they had only refused to follow Moses and stayed back in Egypt. Instead, they followed, and they found themselves in a very difficult spot. Just when they they were starting to feel that they might be able to savor the sweet taste of freedom... There it was, right in front of them. The Red Sea. Their hearts sank. It might as well have just been an ocean. How would they ever get across? And, and they had all of their possessions with them. They didn't know the geography, but, but some thought perhaps they could just go around it. <laughs> Others felt like it was an unconquerable obstacle. And they might as well turn back and just head back to Egypt. And finally, the text tells us that word spread throughout the crowd that they were going to set up camp that night. And that's when today's text happened. That's when they saw it. The army's chariots were gaining on the long, slow train of Israelites. The migrating mass of people making their way to the promised land had now numbered over one million by now. The people could see the dust stirred up by the chariots and and the horses. They could gauge how how the army was closing in and closing the distance between them. They faced the impassable sea on one side and, and the powerful army on the other. Without time to find or or to build boats, it looked as if there were were no way forward for the Israelites. They were trapped. And naturally, they were afraid. They imagined the worst for themselves and for their families. You see, just days before, the the Hebrew people were, were reluctant, but they had taken the next step. They were fearful of their future and and rightly so that the Hebrew people did not even know exactly where they were going. They were trusting in God's promise. And they were were at best tentatively trusting in Moses' leadership. And we can't argue with their reluctance. Sometimes it is easier just to stay put with the familiar than to risk the unknown. The enslaved, enslaved the Hebrew people, knew where they were going to sleep and, and what they were going to eat and for the most part, what to expect. Their future was somehow, somewhat predictable. But we cannot forget that they were still enslaved and, and, and brutally treated by their Egyptian taskmasters. And now, they find themselves in the wilderness and nothing nothing can take, be taken for granted. At times, along their journey towards deliverance, they let this sense of helplessness and, and hopelessness get the best of them. And just before this morning's text, the Hebrew people lament and protest against Moses. They say, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the very thing that we told you in Egypt? Let us alone and let us serve the Egyptians. For it would would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die out here in the wilderness. Now, if you look back at all of their protests, it's, it's telling, very telling, that they mention Egypt five times and yet God's name is completely absent. They forget to rely upon God's providence and God's promise. Are we not guilty of the, of the same thing? <laughs> Sometimes in our grumbling and in our times of protest, we focus more upon our opponent or our adversary rather than acknowledge the presence of God. The presence of God in our midst. The presence of God that has promised to guide us in this life. At times, we give more power and influence to those things that that are eating at us, whether person or circumstance, than to those things that bring us life. And in response, poor Moses did his best to to remind the people of God's promises. Moses was, was trying hard to lead them into God's future. And he says, Do not, do not be afraid. We hear these very words from Moses' lips. Words echoed throughout Holy Scripture when the situation seems impossible. Words echoed to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and, and words that echoed from Jesus' own lips and in the garden the morning of the resurrection Do not be afraid. Moses refused to accept the despairing picture of reality that had been offered by their protests. Moses was trying his very best to trust in God and to remain faithful. Now, we have skipped over several chapters in the book of Exodus between last Sunday and today, and, and we cannot forget that, that Pharaoh too was reluctant. <laughs> he would not he would not honor Moses' request, and Pharaoh confirms to us that the abuse of power and control is not a new thing. Pharaoh had so much to consider. In letting the Hebrew people go, the Egyptian people would have lost their entire enslaved labor force. Pharaoh would have to give up some of his power. Now, now Moses turning the staff into a snake, that would have been enough for me. (laughs) Let alone the ten, ten plagues, right? But time after time, Pharaoh refused to heed Moses' request to set the Hebrew people free. Pharaoh had more than once to change his mind. And finally, worn down by the plagues, the death of infants, the protests of his own people, Pharaoh let the Hebrews go. He allowed them to escape for a bit (laughs) until he decided to pursue them. And this brings us to this morning's text, this morning's episode friends, we all know that change and transition is, is difficult, and yet the Bible teaches us what managing change and, and facing, the, facing fear look like and doing it alongside a God who has promised to lead us. We, we are never alone. In today's text and Moses' account are no exception. You see, it first appears first appears as if God's presence is no longer present with the Hebrew people. The text tells us that early in the journey, the the Lord made Himself known to them in a pillar of fire and cloud. And day by day, night by night, God's dependable presence guided their every move and never left the post in front of them. Now, imagine the sheer terror as they stood trapped with their backs to the sea and the Egyptians, as the Egyptians approached. And God's move to the rear ultimately served to protect them from the enemy. But this shift in God's faithful presence must have been confusing. No longer did God appear out front guiding and preparing the way. Instead, they could only see the solitary prophet Moses, standing, standing there at the water's edge, hands raised as if something as if something were going to happen. He shouted for the Israelites to move forward, but at that moment, only a strong wind stirred. There was no immediate parting. Of the sea, no bridge miraculously appearing over these troubled waters. There was only the prophet Moses with whom the people were already furious. Now the Hebrew people, they would have never found themselves in in this situation if they had only refused to follow Moses and had stayed back in Egypt. Egypt. But where did they find themselves? And where do we find ourselves? Sometimes God's presence seems absent to us. Sometimes layers get get piled upon us that it it is impossible for us not to question and fear and even grumble. Sometimes we, we fail to see a path that leads to life. Sometimes it is easier just to turn back to Egypt than to lead towards the future. And yet, and yet, the Hebrew people, the Hebrew people found themselves delivered from the Egyptians. And yet, the Hebrew people were witnesses to God's miraculous power and And yet, the Hebrew people became heirs of the promise that God made with their ancestors. It was not an easy journey for them. And sometimes it's not an easy journey for us. But God, God keeps God's promises. I must admit that there is so much more in this morning's text. And for those of us who get lost in worrying about the details, and for those of us who ask questions like where exactly this took place or how exactly this took place, I found this illustration from our Hebrew sisters and brothers that I think is helpful for us. A famous rabbi told his best student, you must keep the tradition alive, my son, by going to a certain place in the forest and lighting a special candle and singing the correct psalm and telling the story. The old rabbi died and his student became himself a famous rabbi And unfortunately, he could no longer remember the exact spot he was to go to. So he told his student to light a candle, sing a psalm, and tell the story wherever he thought it right. And after that rabbi's death, his student had forgotten about the candle when he told his student about keeping the tradition alive, but urged him to sing a hymn a psalm, and, and then to tell the story. That rabbi died, and his student knew nothing about the spot in the forest or the candle or singing the psalm. He trained his student to tell the story. And it was enough. Friends, it is enough. Today's glimpse into the deliverance of the Hebrews is is more than enough to change the way we think about God and the way that we think about living our days. May it be so. Amen.
0: We thank God for the ways that Stony Brook Church has supported the endowment fund, which was established two years ago. Over the next several weeks, we are going to be hearing from individuals about the impact that investing in Stony Brook's endowment fund can have on the mission of our church. To give you an idea to date. Monies from the endowment fund have supported youth ministries, the 60th anniversary celebration, missions, and our music ministry. As you watch this video from Ron Anderson, know that you can give online anytime at Church/give, or by dropping your financial gift in the basket on the way out or by simply bringing your gift into the church office.
4: I'm Rod Anderson. I'm a long-time member of the church and a member of the endowment committee. I think the endowment is an investment in our future of the church. The endowment does things and will be spent in a way that it enhances the programs of the church, things that aren't budgeted. And I think people will use this money to create new ideas and ways to further the mission of Stony Brook Church. And I think it also gives people confidence where they invest their money. Well, I became interested in the endowment when my mother passed away and left a sizable gift to the endowment in her church. And I said, why didn't Stony Brook have something like this? Because the endowment gives people confidence in how their money is is spent, especially with estate or legacy giving. The future, I hope it will be successful and grow and be a vital part of our financial planning and help the people of this church feel comfortable in what they do. As we consider our financial planning, I hope each of us will keep the endowment in mind as one way to give and support and show your love and commitment to our church. People should know that there's a dedicated committee to manage the funds and to make sure this money is used wisely.
0: give you thanks we return to you but a small portion of what you have first blessed us with may you continue to pour your hand and your heart upon these gifts may they be multiplied and moved throughout this community and beyond so that all who receive them know of your great love in their lives we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord our Savior amen
2: It is into that care, that care, that gracious care that we cannot always know or imagine, into that care that we go. And as we go into that care, know that we are not alone, that God goes with us. May it be so. Amen.